Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. So last week we started a new sermon series. Can anybody uh, tell me what the name of that sermon series is? Thank you. Good. You guys are, are very, very good. So uh, we started last week with the story of creation, how God uh, started the world and he created all things. He just breathed into creation life. And then humanity immediately jacked it up, right? We got to read through the story of Genesis chapter one. And then we read again into Genesis chapter three. What God created good and perfect and balanced in a moment where uh, sin kind of reached in to, uh, into the heart of Adam and Eve. In that moment, everything that God had created with balance and imperfection, and it was good. Scripture says it was clearly good. In that moment, everything changed. We saw the biggest plot twist in history of humankind when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And they sought their own supremacy. They sought their own directive. They sought their own good will instead of what God had already offered them, right? So we read through one and three, and we heard the story of humanity's fall from God's grace. Uh, And today we're going to take a look at what comes next. I want us to look at the events uh, through the lens of Genesis chapter one and chapter, chapter three. And I want us to be able to see what comes next in the story of humanity's fall, right? So When we mess things up, God is always seeking to bring things back together. God always wants balance. God always wants what's good for his people. And sometimes we just keep getting in the way and we stop what God does because we want to do what we want to do, right? So we're going to open this morning in the book of Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week. And so that'll be on the screen if you want to follow along. Uh, For those of you at home, it should be full screen for you. For those of you here, if you have a Bible, just go ahead and pull that out. Or your e-reader or whatever, it's fine. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. Here we go. And it says this morning for us in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked Abel and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. 
But the Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence, and he lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So think about where we are and where we've come from, right? So last week, creation was perfect. There were seven days in creation, six days of God looking at at the things he created and saying, you know what? It's good. It's really good. And then at the end, humanity, the pinnacle of all creation, you and I, something that resembles God in the way that we have uh, free thought, in the way that we have the the conscience to, to connect with our God and creator. And it was very good. And then on the seventh day, God rests. And it's like day eight. Yeah right? Adam and Eve make a mistake. They're deceived by a snake and they do wrong. So it's a pretty easy trail to follow at this point, right? It's pretty simple. God created us perfectly uh, and and all creation is balanced. Uh, Humanity is easily deceived by a snake. Then we're convinced that we as human beings could be absolutely just like God by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then Adam and Eve get kicked out of the Garden of Eden for disobeying God. And Adam was told that he's going to have to work the ground. What God had provided for them in the Garden of Eden was no longer for them to enjoy. And now what they initially were given for free, they have to work for. And also Eve would have a lot of pain in childbirth. There were repercussions to their sinfulness. Then next we have Adam and Eve having children, Cain and then Abel. And then immediately we see that Cain kills his brother Abel in just one generation, right? Perfect creation to murder. And that's the human story. It's working out pretty rotten for us so far, right? How quickly God made something good becomes evil. We experienced the very first plot twist last week with our story from creation turning to evil. And now we get even deeper down that rabbit hole where we see evil going further. We value life, don't we? I think that's pretty safe to say that we value life. I mean, when we talk about issues like abortion, suicide, euthanasia, capital punishment, for some people, these are the issue, right? Some people vote exclusively on life issues alone. Some people would never protest anything, anything at all. But when we talk about life, some people will be willing to pick up a sign and protest. Life is important to us as humanity. But in just one generation, we go from perfect creation to a terrible murder. We see life devalued because Abel's life for Cain was valued less than Cain's anger, right? In the story, God tries to warn Cain. In verse six, God says to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. This is God speaking to Cain. It's like he's giving this warning. Be careful. You're treading on very thin ground here. Because God knows the condition of the human heart. And he knows that we're pretty easily swayed. 
He pleads with Cain not to let sin get a hold of his heart. And it's amazing to me that the very next move in the story is, hey, Abel, let's go out to the field, right? Like, hey, be careful. Don't let sin grasp you. And the next move is Cain taking his brother out into the cornfield. And I don't know that it's really a cornfield. It's out in a field. Cain let his jealousy and his anger control him. And he did something that he couldn't take back, right? He kills his brother. He murders him. Life ends. And the story continues with God calling out to Cain. So what happened to Abel? Where's your brother? Didn't both of you guys go out to the field together? And Cain's response, we all know is, am I my brother's keeper? Now, I'm going to stop right there because I want you to hear me when I say this. I think the absolute rest of Scripture is a definitive answer to that story. Yes! From Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, yes, we are our brother's keeper. We have a responsibility to one another. And for the rest of his life, Cain is marked because of the mess he put himself in. We saw last week, that because of the disobedience from Adam and Eve, they were removed from God, right? They were able to walk in the Garden of Eden with, uh, with God. They hung out with God, probably played a little basketball with God. And they got to speak with God and be right near him in the Garden of Eden. And because of their disobedience, what happened? Kicked out. Not only that, but they were no longer allowed to ever be in God's presence again fully like they were there was uh, an, an angel that was placed at the entrance to the Garden of Eden and a sword flashing back and forth to keep them out, right? So disobedience brings distance between humanity and God. And now we see the next move is once Cain kills Abel, he has to remove himself even further from God. So it seems like every single generation where sin crops up, we're further and further removed from the God who created us in goodness. And I think today we're probably further from God than we've ever been. So it leads me to the story I want to read next. This comes from the book of Genesis chapter 6. We get to see the repercussions of going further and further and further away from God. And so here's what it says for us today, starting in verse 5. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But, Noah found favor in God's eyes. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 feet, or sorry, 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit 
all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on the earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. If we look at this piece of scripture, we see that God's heart is broken. Have you ever been disappointed by a friend? I think all of us, yes. Has your heart ever been broken by somebody you've trusted? Somebody you've cared for? Maybe a family member? Maybe somebody you've known since elementary school? Now imagine that. Infinitely bigger, right? How how bad do you think it would have to be? How many of you are parents in this room? If you're a parent, raise your hand. Parents? Okay, very good. Parents, I'm speaking directly to you, but those of you who may still someday be parents, I'm listen to this for later on. Uh, how bad do you think it would have to be for you to say, you know what? I wish you had never been born to your own children, right? I can't imagine that, right? I have, I have a beautiful little daughter and a, and a handsome little guy, son. I cannot imagine looking at them and saying, you know what? I regret ever having you. But in this moment, we see God so disappointed in us that he regrets even creating humankind. Have you ever started a project and then something happens in the project and it doesn't quite get to the place you want it? And maybe you have to stop and make some adjustments and you have to fix it in order to make it right. I can't imagine how bad it would have to be if you're like in the middle of, I don't know, uh, in the middle of painting a painting. How bad it would have to be for you to just scrape all the paint off and start over. I'm sure that most of us in here have written papers or essays for school or, you know, reports for work or something like that. How bad would it have to be for you to have to wad it all up to throw it in the trash and start from the beginning? God had the ability to make any adjustments that he wanted. Instead, he goes, I'm starting over. Like that is how bad humanity is. I'm just done. I'm starting over. God could have wiped away everything, but instead, even in the midst of his disappointment, his anger, and his broken heart, there's still a glimmer of hope, right? There's one man, one man who is righteous and walks with God, and it's Noah. And God says, you know what? I'm going to establish a covenant with you, and I will start life all over again through you and your family. Everything else will be wiped away, but there's hope through you. I can't imagine the pressure that Noah would have felt, right? Like, I I think too often we think about Noah as a children's story. We learn about it in Sunday school. We paint, like, beautiful little watercolor pictures in Sunday school, or we have our crayon drawings of, what do you think the ark looked like? And let's draw two of every animal. But this is not a child's story, guys. The story of Noah is one where the entire rest of the world's future rests on one man and his family, building a boat with pretty, pretty small little instructions. Like, it's supposed to be this big and this wide and this tall, uh, and then the three decks. 
and then you're gonna you know paint some pitch on it, which is like tar to make it floatable. There you go. All the animals are gonna come to you, load them all up, bring all the food you need, bring all the food they need. We think it's just kind of so simple, but this is a huge deal. For Noah, as he gets ready to board the ark, and we, we get to hear the story a little bit later on, we'll read it together. But as he gets ready to, to, to build and, and board the ark with his family, he's got all these animals coming to him. Have you guys ever seen um, Evan Almighty? Right, it's a great, great movie. It's a perfect example of like how weird things must have been. But you have a guy who's building a boat in the middle of ground with no water anywhere around. And all these animals come and he has to pretend, or not pretend, but he has to like prepare for them and get them all ready. It's a big deal. And all of humanity is going to suffer and die. And if he doesn't get this right, he'll be dead too. Can't imagine like what it would have felt like for the wicked people around him, cursing him, mocking him. I'm sure this was not an easy project. And we just like, oh, it's a pretty art. Let's just draw it out and all the animals and giraffes sticking their heads out. We all seen those pictures, right? But he has to do this in the midst of an evil world that sees him as a crazy man building a boat in the middle of nothing. And there's always like that one guy, I'm sure, that's like coming around at nighttime and like stealing his hammer. Like, I'll show you, you're a dummy building a boat. I'm sure it wasn't an easy thing for Noah to prepare for life being saved through him. Then the time comes where the floodwaters rise up. In Genesis chapter seven, you can follow along with this. It says, the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that God commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds, and of all the creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of heaven were opened and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every kind of wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing as God has commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. All right, so do you get that? Two of every animal. It said it like 35 times. So two of every animal, male and female, they want to create that or keep, keep creation going. In verse 17, it goes on. For 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth. And as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and greatly increased on the earth and the ark floated on the surface of the water. 
They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 15 cubits. Every living thing that moved on the land perished, birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swam over the earth, and all mankind, or sorry, swarm over the earth. Everything on dry land that had breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The floodwaters, or sorry, the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. Evil and sin perpetrated by humankind caused the world to be totally obliterated. So this was the second biggest plot twist to this point in God's story. First, God created everything perfect. Plot twist, we jack it up. We mess it up so bad that God says, you know what? I liked creation, then I kind of dislike creation, and now I regret even creating you and destroys everything. But even in this moment, God showed mercy because he found one righteous man through, he, through him who he could build creation again. So this story shows us that even though the world was flooded, God always leaves at least a glimmer of hope for us. Even when things look bleak and bad, like there's no hope, God wants there to be another way. Even when all of us turn our backs totally on God, even if there's a little bit of faithfulness left, God wants to offer another option. Guess what? The waters eventually receded. And then God gave humanity another chance. In Genesis chapter 8, in verse 15, the story goes on. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on the land came out of the ark one kind after another. Then Noah built an ark, sorry, an altar to the Lord and taking some of the clean animals, the clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. God leaves us hope. And then the story goes that he also leaves a sign of his covenant with humanity that he leaves a rainbow in the sky. And the great news is we still get to experience the rainbow. We still see God's faithfulness after some of the worst storms we've ever seen in all of humanity. And, and, and especially here in Oklahoma, when we get tornadoes all the time. Sometimes, even at the end of those tornadoes, we get to see a beautiful rainbow that says, I know it's been hard. I know there's destruction here. But there's always hope. So this plot twist from creation to destruction has a lot of lessons that we can learn from it, right? So I've encapsulated a few things. I just want to throw out some one-liners to you, some things that the story of Noah can share with us today. Number one, stay fit. Stay fit. You know why? Because someday when you're 600 years old, God might ask you to do something huge. 
None of us are too old. None of us are too young, too feeble, too broken to be used for something incredible. God wants to equip us if we'll just let him, right? Second of all, don't miss the boat. The move of God may be happening all around you. And if you're not paying attention to it, you might miss it entirely. Number three, remember that we're all in the same boat together, right? The only way that we can make society better as a whole is if we remember that we are playing a part. We have to support one another. We have to love one another. We have to speak up for one another when we don't have voices of our own. Number four, plan ahead. Think about it. It was not raining when Noah started building the ark. We have to be prepared. Noah made arrangements because he knew a storm was coming, right? Now, if 2020 has taught us anything at all, we know that there's more storms coming. Literally, right now, there are two hurricanes heading towards the Gulf of Mexico, guys. 2020 just keeps looking more and more terrible. But we know that if we're prepared, that we'll still have that hope that God offers. Number five, don't listen to critics. Just get on with the job that needs to be done. And everybody in 2020 has an opinion, right? Don't, don't read the comment section. Just don't. Because people always know better than you. This story tells us that we don't have to listen to what other people say in order for us to do right. If we know it's right, stick with it and continue to do it. Next up, speed isn't everything, right? The snails were on board the boat along with cheetahs. We don't have to do everything in what we think is our time. And it also doesn't matter when we come to our faith in God. Some of us might be slower to understand God's move in our lives than others. And that's okay. Think about this one. The ark was built by amateurs. But the Titanic was built by professionals. Next up, even when everyone else is terrible, be faithful. Even when the world is going to hell in a handbasket, remain faithful. You never know when you might be the one through whom God chooses to continue on life. Next up, no matter the storm, when you're with God, there's always a rainbow at the end. It's hard for us to see hope in the story of Noah and the flood. It's hard for us to see any way that that's a good story. But the story of hope that even if one person can remain faithful, God will continue to lift up and to build up his kingdom through that one faithful person. My prayer is that our life never gets that bad, right? My prayer is that the world never looks again like it did in Noah's time. But guys... In 2020, when the news constantly looks evil and mean and hurtful and hateful, sometimes it feels like we may be that only one faithful person left. And in that moment, you might feel despair. You might feel alone. But just know that God will still use you to do incredible things. No matter how bad things get or how bad things have gotten, God still wants to know you. 
God still wants you to be for him. God still wants to be in relationship with you. Everything on this earth could be totally destroyed, but as long as there's one glimmer of of hope, of righteousness still around, God will be right there in the midst of it. So friends, hear me when I say this. This week, there's going to be an opportunity for you to be hope when there is no hope. There's going to be an opportunity this week when there is despair for you to be the light in those situations. There's going to be a time where you might be the only Jesus that somebody sees. So my prayer for you is that in those moments, be Noah, right? In the darkest of times, be faithful. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.